Hey, Praise Chapel Paramount, welcome to our podcast. Hey, this message is from our midweek service with Corey Nichols of Destiny Rescue. Destiny Rescue is an organization that uh, rescues and rehabilitates uh, those that are in human trafficking and sex uh, slavery um, all over the world. And so uh, he's sharing a message that's called, What Are You Living For? There's there's more than just living for yourself. And um, he also shares a little bit about uh, you know what Destiny Rescue does. And so, uh, man, if you haven't looked them up, Check them out at destinyrescue.com or our their Instagram or social media sites, Destiny Rescue. Um, you know, hey, partner with them. We want to partner with a group, an organization that is rescuing those that are lost to, to help those that don't have a voice for themselves. And so, uh, man, enjoy this message. Amen, amen. This is a packed house. I like this. It's been a while since I've been in church like this. This is awesome. It is an honor to be here with all of you, Pastor Omar and all the team. You guys make me feel just like I'm at home. And you have such great hospitality and just a spirit of giving, of serving, of loving on people. And I just could not be more grateful. So thank you so much for welcoming myself and my coworker, Matt Crystal over here. The blue mask. Um, it has been a number of years since I've been here. I now live in Atlanta, Georgia, and I love what God's doing. When God calls you somewhere, you walk in obedience, amen? So it's, it's been an amazing journey for me to end up on the East Coast. I used to live here in Southern California. What's not to love about Southern California? Especially when you go away from here and you're in hot, sweaty Atlanta. But it, it is, it's really good. So I just wanna say hi to all those watching online. And my heart is that your heart would be open and receptive. I love the worship. The worship was just so powerful to be in corporate worship again and experience God's presence together with all of God's people, amen? There's nothing like it. You can do stuff online, awesome. But if there's something about gathering together in person, God shows up. And I just feel there's a hunger in, in this place. There's a hunger to receive from God. And so my heart is that you would be open to hear what God wants to say and that it would impart to you, amen? So the title of my message is, What Are You Living For? You know, we're in a season of COVID where we've had to put a pause on a lot of things. And we've had a lot of time just to think. I, I'm not married, I live by myself, and I had way too much time to think. I'm like, God, I'm done with pause. We need to keep moving on. And he's like, no, you need to be paused. I wanna impart some things to you. And sometimes we get so busy we miss what God wants to do. God wants to flow through his Holy Spirit and we can get so dry, we're operating out of an unfilled tank, an empty tank, trying to minister. But God wants us to work out of overflow, amen? So a question I have for you is what are you living for? What type of foundation are you laying for your life? We're laying a foundation, do you know that? Your life is being laid through the decisions that you make every single day. Are you living for yourself? Maybe demanding God do things your way? Or maybe just living indifferent to God altogether? You've stiff-armed him. For some reason, you're here tonight. There's a lot of people you're here because you love God, you're eager, but maybe you're here tonight and you don't even know why you came, but you're stiff-arming God and you're, you wanna do things your way. 
And sometimes we just don't care. We just wanna do what we wanna do. I don't know about you, but I've lived that way for a long time and that, that way doesn't work very well. Or do you have God's heart in mind? Do you, do you want to connect with the living God, the creator of the universe, connect with his plan and his kingdom purposes? You see, there's an eternal plan that's happening on this earth and God is inviting all of us to be a part of what he's doing. And he's looking for eager people that will surrender all to him and say, whatever you want me to do, it's yes. Sometimes he asks us to sign a blank contract. If you knew everything he was asking you to sign up for, you wouldn't sign up. So he says this, follow me. Count the cost and follow me because it will cost you something. Matthew 16, 25 says this. And again, Jesus said, for whoever wishes to save his life in this world will eventually lose it through death. But whoever loses his life in this world for my sake will find it. That is life with me for all eternity. If we're living just for self, it's, it's really... We're being deceived by the great enemy, thinking that if we just trying to hoard and live for self, if we choose to live that life, we're eventually gonna stand before God one day and give an account for what we've done. And when we live for self, we're, we're actually losing in the end. Matthew 6, 19 through 21 says this, Jesus said, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths, eat them and rust destroy them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Again, if we're living for temporal things, where eventually it's gonna leave us feeling empty I've lived trying to search after things for a long time and it, I've, it made me feel empty. And it, it's, there's a lie that says, if I can just get this, if I can just do this, I'm gonna be satisfied. But when you get that, it's not satisfying. The woman at the, the, woman at the well who had five husbands and was with a man who wasn't her husband found out that men don't satisfy. She went from one to the next to the next. And Jesus said this, what you're looking for is living water, and I'm that living water. When you put your faith and trust in me, you'll be filled with, you'll be filled to, the, to overflowing, and you'll no longer have to go searching because you found what real life is about, being in relationship with the creator of the universe, and then fulfilling the purpose which he has for each one of us as individuals. C.S. Lewis says it this way, aim at heaven and you'll get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you'll get neither. In other words, if you live with a kingdom mindset and your heart is set on pleasing and honoring God, you're gonna get earth thrown in and you're gonna live the most incredible, fulfilled life you could ever live. Does it mean it's gonna be easy? Heck no. You need God's power, the power of his Holy Spirit living in you to live an overcoming, victorious life but it's the life you've always dreamed of living. It's a life filled with such excitement, being in relationship with God, living by faith and doing great exploits for the King of Kings. That's what God wants for us. 
But if we settle for less and we just try to do things our way, independent from God, we end up being dissatisfied and we lose it all. We end up losing it all. And so my heart today is so burdened. What are you living for? Are you living in light of God's plan and purpose for you? His kingdom plan, which brings peace, peace that surpasses all understanding, even in a COVID season, even when all things around you seem to be shaken, you can have a peace that surpasses all understanding because you know the creator of the universe has you in the palm of his hand and he's directing your steps. So I was a Christian for many years. I became a Christian when I was six and I treated God like a genie in the bottle. I don't know if you've if you've kind of lived the Christian life like this, but God, this is what I want. I have this plan and I want you to bless this plan. And God's like, we'll see how that works out for you. Because Corey, I have a plan and I want you to fulfill the plan I have for you. So you can be in this wrestling match with God, but I, let me just get this all out on the table. He wins every time. So you can, you can try to fight against him and live frustrated and defeated, or you can, you can get on board with his plan. And it was like, I remember the day I said yes, I'm gonna get into that in a second, but the day I said yes to his plan, it was like, I was born for this. There was an ease about it. There, there, was, there was an anointing and a grace there to fulfill the plan God had for me. What are you living for? Are you on board with God's plan? Are you still trying to get God to do your plan? God is not a genie in the bottle. He's master, he's king, he's Lord, he's savior. He's the king of kings. And he deserves to have that rightful throne in our lives. Well, that wasn't me. And I remember praying this simple prayer, God, I wanna know you and I don't understand your grace completely. And I went into one of the darkest trials of my life. These thoughts, enter, I woke up in the middle of the night after praying that simple prayer and all these thoughts entered my mind. How do you know your God is real? Prove it to me. I had no proof other than what my parents said and what the Bible said, but fear, real fear gripped me for the first time ever in my life. And I was like, what happens if everything I ever believed was a lie? And it sent me on this, this search night and day for real answers. And I believed Jesus was who he said he was, but I just didn't know anymore. Have you been there? Have you been to a place where your foundation was so rocked, you didn't know what your foundation was made of? And there was things in my life that God was sifting to the top because they were temporal things that I was trying to look for satisfaction in where only God, the creator of all things, deserves that rightful place as, as um, king, Lord, and first place in my life. And so at the end of, I, uh, there was one point, I, I just didn't think I could go on anymore. Suicide thoughts started ending, entering my mind. Just give up, quit your life, don't go on. God doesn't love you. If he loved you, you wouldn't be going through this. And I remember I was working this landscape job, but I really wasn't working. My mind was consumed with these thoughts. And I remember just on my knees, like out in the middle of nowhere, this forest, watering these plants, but I wasn't watering them. My mind was so confused. And I just was crying out to God, God, I can't do this anymore. I've turned to every option I know and all of my options are up. I'm against the Red Sea. The Egyptians are behind me and I'm out 
of options completely. And it was in that moment that God spoke to me. He said, Corey, the battle you're going through in your mind belongs to me. I love you, you're my child. And God began to pull me up out of that miry clay and he began to part that sea of depression and fear that I was facing. And he, and he set my feet on a solid ground. After I got through that trial, he revealed to me why I went through it. John 15, one and two says this, I am, I am uh, the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so it'll be even more fruitful. There were things in my life that I placed before God and God was ma wants to be master and lords of our life because he has an amazing plan for us. But that can't be accomplished if we're still trying to grab the reins and the steering wheel of our life, amen? I was in prayer during this season and I was like, God, where were you? What were you doing? And he said, I've not forgotten about you. Some of you think God's forgotten about you. He knows you, he knows where you're at. He knows every detail you're going through. He's worthy to be trusted. He's at work, whether you see it or not. And it was in this dark season, again, that I felt God speak to me. He said, Corey, the battle, not the battle, sorry. He said, you've finally given me the throne of your life. I was, I was, a Christian, but God was not on the center throne of my life. I was doing the best that I could, but there were things that were ahead of God. And God let me go through that trial to bring to the top those things that were before him. And I said, God, I just surrender all this to you. That's where God wants to be, rightfully on the throne of our lives. Well, there was more. God wasn't done with trials in my life. I don't know about you, trials are not necessarily fun, but they're necessary. Can anyone agree with that? <clears throat> so that was while I was in college. I got done, I eventually graduated college and I moved to Atlanta, Georgia. And the first time I lived in Atlanta, and I was involved in two great churches. And while I was there, I went through um, a financial collapse. I don't know about you, but financial collapses are not fun. I was doing everything in my power not to go through this financial collapse. And no matter what decisions I made, no matter who I talked to, it could not get me from not going through this financial collapse. And I literally lost everything. And I remember having to put all of my furniture out in front of my driveway, give it all away, and I moved home to my dad and stepmom's basement for the first time in 11 years after living on my own. And I had friends judging me why I was in this predicament. And again, through this trial, when I literally was at my wit's end again, another time where I felt like there was nothing left, I felt God speak to me again. I want you to set captives free. And I was like, what does that even mean? I'm broke, I have no money. I have literally, for the last like 10 years, have been stripped of absolutely everything. What do I have left to offer you? And God was like, Corey, I don't need anything from you. I want you. I own everything. There's nothing I can't do. I'm looking for somebody who's willing and available. I can raise resources up. I can open any door that I want, but I'm looking for a heart who's willing and available. Do I have anybody here tonight that's, that's a willing, available vessel to do whatever God wants to whatever he wants? That's where God wants us. 
is in a, is in a place of complete dependence and trust in God, amen? Well, it was in this place they had nothing left that God was like, I want you to set captives free. So I was like, I, I don't even know where to begin. $25 was a mountain to me. I had no money to my name. I had no credit to my name. And I was in my parents' basement. I had no car for two years during this time. And it was a very humbling place. I was college educated. And I, I was good with my money for the most part. But when God wants to do something, you can't get out of it. How many of you know trials, until they do what God wants the trial to do, he's not gonna let you get out of it. Have anyone felt like that? You're like, just leave me alone for a bit. And he just doesn't want to. He's like, no, actually, I'm about making you into a mighty man of God or a mighty woman of God. And the only way to do that is to go through things with, with God and he's gonna show you who he is in the midst. So no money in my parents' basement and God spoke to me, I want you to set captives free. So I was talking with a friend of mine. She said, well, have you, you have a really interesting story. Why don't you share out of it um, on a blog, just write a free blog. There's free blogs on the internet. So that's what I did, I started a free blog. And within two months of me launching this blog, just writing out of my story from brokenness to wholeness, the largest Christian newspaper company in the country contacted me. So we found your blog, we love how you write. What would you think about writing for us? And that taught me a huge lesson. You don't have to go seek trying to be found. God knows where you're at. And when he's ready to elevate you, he can do that at any point, any time. He's just looking with, for somebody that's willing to cooperate with him. You see, before, the, between the anointing and the calling slash appointing are the preparation years. It's a season of preparation. When God calls you to do something and between the fulfillment of that, you step into it, there's preparation. And we don't like going through preparation, but it's necessary so that we have the humility and character to keep us where God wants us, amen? And we have actually something to offer people. And so while working for this newspaper company, I eventually came across the work of Destiny Rescue and I was so moved that they would literally risk their lives to ensure justice for kids that were trapped in the commercial sex industry. You see, I was abused as a minor and God had to take me through my own healing journey. And at this time, when I was writing for this Christian newspaper company, 13 years prior, God spoke to me and said, I'm faithful that I'm gonna turn around and use this broken piece of your life for great good. Will you trust me? Will you trust me? And I said, God, Yes, I trust you. Whatever that means, it's just, yes, I trust you. 13 years later, I start writing for this newspaper company. I come across the work of Destiny Rescue. And long story short, I went overseas to interview their founder on a team trip, a missions trip. And halfway through the trip, he approached me and said, our writer's leaving the organization. What would you think about coming on staff and writing for us? In great faith, I said no, and I came back to the States. When you say no to God, he can reroute. He can, he can get you back on track. When he is after you, he knows how to get a hold of you. And I said, no, I came back to the States and I couldn't sleep for two weeks. God just kept taking out my heart. I want you to be a voice for these kids. And so I eventually said, yes, I moved to Asia and I was there for a year and a half, learned about this horrific industry 
um, of of sexual slavery and um, the sex industry is literally filled with children. There's at least a million children in our world today trapped in the commercial sex industry. I was learning about that. And then God began to call me back to the United States to be a voice for these kids. And today I go all over the United States shedding light on this issue and, and inspiring God's people to stand up for those that can't stand up for themselves. And God was like, Corey, I am faithful to bring to pass the promises I put in you. I had to develop you. See, here's, here's one thing. In order for God to use us, he has to remove character flaws in us, so to speak, so that instead of judging people, misfits and broken people, we actually offer them a hand up, a hand of mercy. So God allows us to go through things so we don't think we're all that in a bag of chips, but we know that we're just one of them saved by grace, just like everybody else. And so when I started learning about this issue, impoverished families were making difficult decisions sending their children out looking for work. And I was good with my money. And I used to be very critical of people that struggled financially, truth be told. And I was like, this was my one size fit all answer for me, just get a job at McDonald's. Come on, work. I didn't know their story. I didn't know the challenges they faced and what they went through. I had the answer though. And it was very proud and haughty. And God was like, Corey, I allowed you to go through that because I want you to help offer a hand up to these people. And you can't do that with a critical spirit. So I let you experience pain, a little pain, so that you can be an instrument in my hands to bring others to, um, so that you can help rescue and offer people hope through our, the work of Destiny Rescue and, and ultimately through Jesus. So God doesn't waste our pain, amen? So I wanna ask you again, what are you living for? What is God asking of you? He has an amazing plan for you. The key is come to him with open arms, open hands and say, God, whatever that is, it's yes. When you do, it's amazing. He can take all the brokenness, all the junk we've been through and turn around and use it for great good. And you become this sharp, tool in his hands that's pushing back darkness and offering people hope in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen. So I want to share tonight with you an opportunity, an opportunity of, of living for eternity, living for the, the things, the purposes of God. And that is about the work of Destiny Rescue. You see, we are, are on a rescue mission, amen? God has rescued us to be rescuers of others. He's restored us so that we can be restorers of others. And because of what Christ has done, we have a responsibility in our world today, not just to live for self, but to have his kingdom heart, his kingdom mindset in mind. And we are busy um, allowing God to work in and through us to bring hope to a world in need of him. And so I'm, I wanna share with you, you can keep going, keep going through the slides. Um, go back one, go back one. This is what the Bible says in Psalm 82, three through four. Give justice to the poor and the orphan. 
Uphold the rights of the oppressed and the destitute. Rescue the poor and helpless. Deliver them from the grasp of evil people. I love that. Rescue the poor and the helpless and deliver them from the grasp of evil people. From cover to cover of scripture, God is on a rescue mission and his heart is that we would align with his for his kingdom purposes, amen? So go on to the next slide. So Destiny Rescue, for those of you who don't know, many of you do, and I just wanna say thank you for everyone who has supported us and partnered with us over the years. You are making an impact. So keep this in mind, if, you're, if you've given to us in any way, shape, or form, you're making this happen. You are making this happen. God's people are making this happen every day. And if God is stirring your heart I just ask that you would be sensitive to his leading as we, we talk tonight. But Destiny Rescue is an international Christian-based nonprofit that's dedicated to rescuing children out of sexual exploitation and human trafficking. And then we help them stay free, helping them, um, empowering them to go on and live out the destiny God has for them. It's, it's the most incredible thing when you can be part of literally changing the course of life of a child who is in the most unthinkable of hell and giving them a chance to truly live out freedom and get to know God and ultimately discover that he has an amazing plan for them. So we rescue, our organization is literally on the front lines on this fight of human trafficking. And we are rescuing, um, children literally all over the world. We currently work in eight countries where we do rescue and reintegration work. And um, this past year, we rescued 1,426 victims, many of them children, amen. We had 80 successful raids last year and had 115 traffickers arrested. All time, we've rescued 5,399 victims, mostly children. We've had 184 successful raids and 172 arrests. And that number keeps going up exponentially as we've grown and learned how to trap traffickers and hold them or, or lure them so that they can no, no longer traffic children. We lure them into a trap and we, we get them arrested. So our organization, we do raids. We have undercover agents that work closely with anti-trafficking police, top law enforcement agencies. We work with the US FBI and the equivalent of that in many of the countries we work in. But these are people that literally we've had arrested. They were trafficking children and, and adults and they're no longer doing that because now they're behind bars for, for taking advantage of kids. You can go on to the next slide. This was a raid, it's called, uh, we call it the Corso operation. And there's this man, um, Cor he goes by the name Corso. He had a whole syndicate ring of trafficking. He would train up um, new pimps and traffickers to traffic children. And he kept evading law enforcement and our organization's attempts to do a raid and capture him. And the last correspondence he had with our team trying to trap him, he said, I think this is a setup. And so he kept evading us. He was so filled with pride. He put what he was doing out on social media with two girls that he was pimping out, thinking he would never get caught. He was embracing and emboldened, thinking he was all of that. And pride comes before a fall. 
But the man, this man, we couldn't capture him. So we started going after some of his cohorts and we ended up uh, luring a, uh, this woman trafficker that was under him. And she says, if I go down, he's going down. And so we were able to rescue three miners in that raid and she tried contacting him and he again said, I think this is a setup and he kept evading our, our ability to try to contact him. And one 15 year old girl in the back seat who was just rescued overheard our caseworker and our rescue agents talking. And she said with boldness, I'll lead you to him. And so with courage, she led our team and law enforcement through this dilapidated maze, this dark evil place that was very dangerous. And once she was in a safe place, we did the raid and we were able to capture him. You can go on to the next slide. And we, we had him arrested and there, there were eight more children all under the age of 18 that were being forced to use drugs and that were being pimped out for sex. And we were able to rescue them and give them back their dignity. That's possible because of the church. You are helping make that possible literally daily. You can go on to the next slide. And so we're, we're also shutting down places that are trafficking children as well. And so we're, we're getting people off the streets so they no longer can harm. If you don't do that, they go on and just do it again. So part of the strategy is to help put bad people behind bars so they can't harm uh, men, women, and children. And go on to the next slide. So we also we do what we call covert rescue. While we do raids, it can take up to six to nine months to do a coordinated raid. All the while, children are being abused. And so we wanna build trust and relationship with those kids undercover because it's dangerous if you reveal your identity. You can't just go into these places. So we build trust with them. We call that a covert or relational rescue. And many of the rescues that we do are covert rescues. Recently, since um, this year, we were able to identify a 13 and 14 year old girl that were trapped um, in a bar slash brothel and they were being made to um, service customers. They had no clue what they were getting into. They thought it was a workplace. And because of shame, honor in many Asian countries, they were too afraid to say something. And many times they were responsible for taking care of their 10-year-old sister. And many times she had to come along with them and she was in great danger of being exploited just like the 13 and 14-year-old. We found them and we were able to rescue them. And today they're in one of our safe homes and they're flourishing in life. That's possible because of you. You can go on to the next slide. We also do what we call border crossing stations. We work, one of the countries we work in is Nepal. And across one of these borders, one of their neighboring countries, it's an open border. 40 to 60,000 victims are trafficked across that border each year. Traffickers are luring children through promises of work and marriage through social media. So be careful, all of you young people out there using social media, it can be dangerous. So. Uh, be careful, parents. Know what your children are doing. But in this case, they were, they were being lured across. And if they cross that border, they will never see the light of day again. And they will never see their families again. And so our agents are given authority from the government to stop any vehicle or group, group of people. And 
they will separate parties and they'll begin to ask lots of questions. If there's any red flags that this might be a trafficking case, they will contact the authorities right next door, which they're right next door, and they'll make an arrest if there's a trafficker there, or they will help explain in great detail that you were just about to be trafficked across the border. You can go on to the next slide. So this beautiful girl named Sania, she came from a farming family, a very poor farming family. And her and her dad were going from their city to a neighboring city. When, uh, and on this bus ride that they were on, they were sitting next to this man who was a businessman. And he started up a conversation with them and they found, he found out that they were an impoverished family. They were desperate. And that their oldest daughter, Sunia was the oldest daughter. And in many Asian countries, and culture, it's the responsibility of their children to help take care of their family. So she felt an obligation to find work so that she could help bring in income for the family. She was 21 years old. And this man said, I can help you. I can get you um, a, made, a made job in a neighboring country. All you need to provide is your passport and I will do the visa work. I'll do the, the work permit. All of that will be taken care of. You just do that. They thought it was an answer to their prayers and they were so excited. So she went home, got her passport and she was in communication with this man. And he said, there will be a gentleman that meets you on the other side of the border. Bring your passport and we will take care of everything else. Well, our border crossing station agents stopped her, started asking her questions, red flags were being tipped off, and all of a sudden, like, it, it became very well known that it was a trafficking situation. And so they shared with Sunia what was about to happen to her, and her eyes got really big, and she was so grateful that they stopped her. Today, that beautiful girl is now a Nepali police officer, and she's helping bring justice to others that are being exploited and taken advantage of. So you're helping make that possible. You can go on to the next slide. <clears throat> this is a tragic story that turned, it was a miracle what happened, but this beautiful girl named Amali was living with her aunt in, in one of the countries that we work in. And there were no men living in the home. And in this culture, it can be very dangerous if women live alone. But they lived alone and um, Amali's aunt was actually a businesswoman. So she had to travel often for work and that left Amali, a teenager, home alone. A man found out that that was happening. And so he broke into the home and took advantage of her. And that happened many times. And because of their culture is a shame honor based culture, if it would ever come out into the public of what happened, it could bring shame to her family. So she kept quiet. More men found out and more men began to break into the home. And this, this girl was trapped in her own home and she was too afraid to say anything. She eventually got pregnant and she eventually began to show and word got out to the community that she had a child out of wedlock. A beautiful girl that was being exploited and taken advantage of. Well, word got back to her brother who lived in a neighboring community. And he was so ashamed and shocked by what happened. You would think he would be upset that of, about her perpetrators, that he would wanna help her. 
but he was so ashamed that she brought shame to the family because she had a child, quote unquote, out of wedlock, that he hired a hitman for $282 to have her murdered. Destiny Rescue found out and we rescued her. And today she's living in one of our safe homes. Today, she's had her child. She's going through Christian studies. She's learning about the love and mercy of God and that God can take broken things and turn around and heal them and use them for great good. She's learning about the love of God. That is possible because of Praise Chapel Paramount and others who who catch God's heart for justice. Amen? You could go on to the next slide. So Destiny Rescue, we don't only just rescue, but we see kids' lives healed and restored. We help them stay free. Every child's path to freedom, their freedom plan looks different because every child's family and situation is unique. So we have a unique individualized freedom plan for that child. So our caseworkers and counselors identify what those risk factors are that created vulnerability. And then we help her to dream the dream that's in her heart. And we set up a path and plan that can help her stay free. In some cases, it might be education. It might be vocational training. It might be, we, we provide counseling and um, our caseworkers provide some level of discipleship. And our heart is that we expose these kids to Christ whenever possible. In some cases, they're not always in our care long-term. For example, in a raid situation, they're only, our only touch point with them is when they're in the police station and then they get put into child protective services. So even in those cases, we provide a dignity pack for those kids that has a Bible, that has um, a, a hygiene kit, has a change of clothes, has um, how to enter a personal relationship with Jesus. We care about these kids and we want them to feel loved whenever our organization is, is in close proximity to them. The reason that's possible is because of you. Um, and so we help kids stay free. Go on to the next slide. So Rachana was a beautiful girl that we rescued. And while in one of our um, aftercare programs or safe homes, um, this beautiful girl, we found out that she was a gifted artist and she really excelled in art. She, she actually tried hairdressing and I think jewelry making. She tried multiple things and that just was not her passion. But we saw that she had a gift to draw. And so we helped um, her go through a, a computer-aided design class and she excelled at it. And she went into this internship with a company that is uh, contracted out by Pixar. And now she's on staff for, she's been on staff for at least a year past her internship and she's flourishing in life. And she has meaningful, great work. And I just love it. You can tell she's just smiling ear to ear behind that picture. I just love it. You can go on to the next slide. And these beautiful girls just graduated from a salon training program. There was 24 of them. And many of them never thought that they would matter outside of what happened to them. But yet, because of people just like you, these kids, these young women have confidence. They, they feel like they can do something that's gonna um, help them succeed in life and a future and help their families see that they can succeed. And as a family, they can go on to live a great, meaningful life. One beautiful girl who I know, 
when I lived in Thailand, went on, she, she went through our salon training program. She worked for our organization for a bit, but then she went on to open her own salon and she began to hire other girls that we had rescued. And today she's, she, through her income, has purchased her parents a home and she has given her life to Christ and she's walking with God and flourishing. That's possible because of you. Another, another girl that was there when I was there is now in Bible college. She, she, got, she learned the vocation of cooking and she worked for a restaurant and now she's going off to Bible school. Another girl uh, was doing self-defense classes and she started working for this nonprofit with self-defense, but her heart is to become a missionary and help others know of the incredible relationship she now has with Jesus Christ. And because of people like you, the church. Others are experiencing Jesus Christ and fulfilling their God-given destiny and purpose. So I, you can go on to the next slide. <clears throat> one, one thing that's happened recently is COVID-19. You know, it's created a lot of challenges around the world, not only here in the United States, but around the world. Many families, they're not allowed to go work. They're not even allowed to leave their home. And they're impoverished families. They have no margin for error and they're starving. Guess what keeps working when everything else is shut down? The criminal world. So traffickers are trafficking children that are desperate, families that are desperate. They're saying, hey, I can help you. I can help you. And out of desperation, Families are believing the best, hoping the best that it's real, but it's not real. It's, it's a lie. And so just like some of the stories you heard, like Sunia, their family thought it was an opportunity, but it was a lie. And so our organization is helping them understand that and we're meeting needs. We, we in one country, we were feeding over 500 families two, to, two weeks to a month's worth of food at a time so that they can stay free and that eliminates that pressure that they feel that they're under. And the, those children that are in our care can relax knowing that their family is okay. Amen. You're helping make that possible. It's literally being the hands and feet of Jesus. Jesus said this, if, if you provided a cup of water for one of the least of these, you've done it to me. And you guys are helping make that possible. Go on to the next one. So I asked this question at the beginning, what are you living for? Are you living in light of eternity? Are you are you willing to count the cost, whatever God is asking of you, amen? I remember one day just saying, God, whatever that means, it's just yes. And it is difficult. There's times, like we come to these points, these crossroads in our life, and I'm like, is it worth it? Sometimes you feel beat up. But when I get quiet, and I know what God has done for me, every time I say it's worth it, I have counted the cost, and I say, God, I'm signing up. I wanna live in light of eternity for the rest of my life. I'm 41 now. I'm not a spring chicken anymore. <laughs> I remember when I was 20 and 20 was like forever ago, but I remember thinking 40, that's so old. And now I'm 41, 40 is not old at all. It's not old at all, but I'm coming to the realization I don't have forever. 
Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message from Praise Chapel Paramount. If you want to stay connected, follow us online with Facebook and Instagram at PC Paramount or visit our website at praisechapelparamount.com.